0: Well welcome Christ Community Online. Uh, if you're watching this video, uh, maybe you were not able to make it to our outdoor service for Father's Day, June 21st. Or maybe you were there and you're watching kind of the fuller uh, length sermon of the, preach I, uh, the sermon I gave um, there on Sunday morning. Or maybe you're just uh, tuning in online and you're still checking out Christ Community. just want to say thank you for uh, for taking a look at our, our Sunday morning service for today, which is just going to be a little welcome, uh, a prayer, a sermon, and then a benediction. Um, so let me say welcome. If you have anything we can pray for you um, about as a church, we have a prayer card online. I'd be happy to, um, uh, we, we want to pray for you as a staff. So go online, fill that out, or uh, you can email me directly at s at christcommunitykc.org. In addition, on our website is a Connect card. If you're new and you'd like to know more about the church or you'd like to connect with us, go online and fill out that card. Uh, We would love to know more about you. Well, as I mentioned, our Sunday service for June 21st was actually outdoors at the pavilion at the theater in the park. Um, But in recording this, for those of you who were not able to make it, or also those of you uh, who want to see a little bit more of an extended sermon than what we were able to do with the park with kids running around and all that craziness. Um, So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read our text for us, Luke chapter 13, verses 18 and 19. Uh, Then I'm going to pray for us and then jump into the sermon. So hear now the word of the Lord. Jesus said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And so what shall I compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air made its nests in its branches. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we open your word because your word is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. And we want to go whatever way that you would lead us. So through your word, lead us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, growing up as a kid in Indiana, uh, like all boys growing up in Indiana, I had a basketball goal in my driveway, Um, except for whenever I went out to go shoot baskets in the driveway, I was never just playing basketball in the Spanberg family driveway. Anytime I went out to the driveway to shoot baskets, I was playing basketball in Assembly Hall, the scientifically proven greatest place to watch or experience or play a basketball game in the universe. Uh, that's where the Indiana Hoosiers play. It was my favorite place watching basketball growing up. But anytime I'd go out and shoot baskets, uh, you know, my imaginative world was not just shooting baskets in my driveway. It was that I was playing basketball for Bob Knight at Indiana University in Assembly Hall. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so my imaginative world was was way beyond what was actually true in that space. Uh, in this series, uh, parables. One thing we're doing is we're looking at, at how Jesus used imaginative worlds of teaching to explain to us what, what life is all about with him. And in particular, what life in the kingdom of God is all about with him. And here he uses the, the imaginative framework of a seed planted in the ground, which grows into a tree, and he says that is what the kingdom of God is like. And so I want to do two things this uh, in this sermon. First, is to ask the question, "Okay, what is the kingdom itself?" Right, the kingdom of God is like Jesus. What is the kingdom of God? And then, secondly, how does the kingdom work? Because that's what Jesus is getting at in this parable. So, what is the kingdom like? How does it work? So, first, what is the kingdom of God like? Now. The kingdom of God is, there's lots of ways to understand it, but it's really the central content of what Jesus came to proclaim and announce in his life. So in the Gospel of Mark, the first thing Jesus says is repent for the kingdom of God is near. So in many ways, the kingdom of God is just a way of summarizing the content of everything Jesus said and what he announced is breaking into the world through his life and his death and his his resurrection, his ministry. So that's one way of understanding the kingdom of God. The other way, it's just a short, pithy definition uh, that Dallas Willard gave. The kingdom of God is where what God wants done gets done. The kingdom of God is where what God wants done gets done. So a kingdom, a king is in charge, and when a king issues a decree, listen, that's what happens or else you're going to get punished for not doing what the king uh, wants. That's not quite how the kingdom of God works. But, but the kingdom of God is such that, that what God wants to see the world as is what the world really, really is. So where God wants done is what gets done. That's what the kingdom of God is. And so that raises the question, okay, well, so what does God want done? In many ways, like that's the whole of Jesus' life and teaching. But I want, to, I want to focus in on two places where you get a sense of how Jesus understood the, what the kingdom of God is. And the first place I want to go is Luke 4. And there's a sermon back in the archives of me preaching from that text. So I'm not going to go into great detail, but this was Jesus' first sermon. His explanation of what it means that he is breaking the kingdom of God into this world. Here's how he describes it. Luke 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus says the kingdom of God is good news for the poor, is liberty for the captives, recovery of sight for the blind, liberty for those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, the second place where Jesus talks about what his ministry means is very similar language, and that's in Luke chapter uh, 7, where John the Baptist has reached out to Jesus and to ask him, like, okay, Jesus, are you actually the Messiah, or should I, I wait for someone else? And Jesus says this is a response. Jesus answered them, "'Go and tell John what you have seen and heard.'" The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So let me summarize at least those two passages of the kingdom of God in three ways. First is the kingdom of God is where everything broken is, is, is made Right? Right? Everything that's broken in the world is made right in the kingdom of God. Because God doesn't want, he doesn't want blindness. He doesn't want deafness. He doesn't want those things. And in His kingdom, those things do not exist. Second is the kingdom of God is where the poor have good news to. Preached to them. Now, the sermon a few weeks ago uh, where we preached on this, I pointed out poverty it means a couple of things in this passage. And, and you need to go back if you're like, what, what do you mean? Well, go back to that sermon. But the two things it means. One is, 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 is a clear reference to people who are in spiritual poverty. Those who, who it appears that they're not in the kingdom of God and they can't get into the kingdom of God. Jesus says, actually, you can get into the kingdom of God if you are, are poor. And, and so that's why the, the heart of the Kingdom of God is grace and mercy. God looks on us, who are poor and broken, and He says, I have good news for you. Even you can get in. Right, so the Kingdom of God is where everything broken is healed, it's where grace is preached, and then thirdly, it's where, it's where the worldly values are reversed and upturned. So. Jesus mentions a number of people, a number of types of people, uh, the, the lame, the lepers, the deaf, the dead, the poor. And, and, and those were all folks who were in categories that were often just forgotten and neglected by society. Just not, society didn't care about them. And Jesus says that the people whom society is indifferent towards, you supposed to put them aside. He says, no, 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 no one is put aside in the kingdom of God everyone is welcome in the kingdom of God. So it's the kingdom of God is where everything's broken is healed. It's where grace reigns. And it's where the world values are upturned and the people we think are cut out, you know, the people who are who are the most easy to tread on societally, right? The easiest people to oppress in the world are the poor are those who have physical um, disabilities. It's the easiest people in the world to, uh, to oppress are those types of people. And Jesus says, in my kingdom, they're not oppressed. The world is turned upside down. So, what does that mean for us? Well, two things. First, it means if the church is representative, um, we are not the kingdom of God as the church, but if we are announcing the kingdom of God, central to our practice, life, and theology will be grace. Now this is something I've, been, I've just been meditating and thinking a lot about. Um, does the church in our cultural context actually preach grace? And the reason why I ask that question is, I, I, just, I have heard so many times throughout my life, someone say something like, like this. Um, until I get my act together, I'm not ready for church. Actually, I heard that of someone who has attended our church. So, you know, I, until my until I get some things put together, I can't come. And it's so clear that the people who thought they didn't have things together in in Jesus' life, the people who thought they couldn't come, they, they all ran to Jesus. And yet in our own society, our own context... It, it often appears that people who think they don't have it all together, the church is the last place they can go. And I don't know where I heard this first or where, who, uh, who said this to me first or where I read this, but uh, someone said essentially this, that if, if you are not getting the same results that Jesus got, you are not preaching the same message that Jesus preached. Something I've, I've been reflecting a lot on that is, do we preach grace? Well, someone look at Christ Community Shawnee and say, I don't have it all together. I need it, but I gotta go there. Right? And like anyone who would walk into an an AA meeting, and it all starts with, Hi, my name is X, and I'm an I'm an alcoholic. It starts with this radical acceptance of grace of we all, we have all screwed up, we've all sinned, we've all we've all made mistakes. And I just is that the ethos of our church? This message of Jesus, that the kingdom of God is grace is good news for the spiritually poor. And as I reflect on this, I I quoted from this book uh, while I was out in Colorado, um, but Gentle and Lowly by Dane Orland, and he writes this about Jesus. Um, He's reflecting on Matthew 11, that passage which is so central to us as a church. Here's what he writes. uh, The minimum bar to be enfolded into the embrace of Jesus is simply open yourself up to him. It's all he needs. Indeed, it is the only thing he works with. Verse 28 of our passage in Matthew 11 tells us explicitly who qualifies for fellowship with Jesus. All who labor and are heavy laden. You don't need to unburden or collect yourself and then come to Jesus. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come. Hear that again. Your very burden is what qualifies you to come to Jesus. In a church that is about the kingdom of God, that will be true. Grace will be at the center. So that's the first way I want us to think about the kingdom of God and how we apply it to our own church. The second thing is, is what, what I'll call imagination. We're almost where I started with, with the sermon. And that is, <clears throat> we should see our world and our, our days not through the lens of anything else other than the lens of the kingdom of God. All right. so... Excuse me. When I, when I went out into my driveway, I, I didn't see my driveway. I was in assembly hall, right? I was playing basketball with the Indiana Hoosiers. I was, playing bas- I was getting yelled at by Bob Knight, right? That's what I was dreaming in my mind. Um, and when we go out into the world, while we see all kinds of things around us that clearly are not the kingdom of God, our imagination of where this world is headed, of what's coming, what the future is, is not what we see around us. It is the kingdom of God. That's what shapes our imaginations. That's how we see the world around us. It's the lens through which Jesus wanted to see the lens, the, the lens of this world through, which is his kingdom, which is not here yet, but it is coming, and it has already begun to be breaking in through his life, death, resurrection. So let me apply that to us. And so I'm going to admittedly, I'm going I'm to poke the bear a little bit here. I hope that's okay. Um, or, or more what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to invite you into some self-reflection I've been doing. And, and maybe it's relevant for you or maybe it's not, but I'm just going to invite you into my own self-reflection. Um, obviously, there, there's a lot going on in the world right now. Um, and we've spoken to that over the last couple of weeks. And I've, I've had many conversations with many of you in the church. Some of you, you have questions, you're, you have concerns, you're uncertain about some things. And, and in that process of, of just meeting with, with our church and listening, um, I've had a piece of advice given to me three times, which I think is, is so good. And the piece of advice they gave me to uh, they gave to me was was Tim, as much as possible, quote scripture. Just let scripture speak for itself into this into this moment, and I, that's such good advice. Because I don't know if if you're like me. So again, you're, you can you can bring yourself into my own self reflection but I've, I've done so much time reflecting on what this person wrote or what this pundit said or this podcast has to say. And as I've interacted with people, I've shared articles and podcasts and ideas and thoughts, and I realize so little of what I have shared, and if I, if I may, what has been shared with me, so little of it is, you know, I was reading the teachings of Jesus, and here's what I'm wrestling with. I was reading Isaiah. And I just here's how I think Isaiah speaks to this current, this current moment we're in. And I, just, I feel the own, my own work of my own imagination of the world I'm around being shaped more by the, the pundits, the, the, the authors, the, the people who have good things to say to us, certainly. But our foundation as Christians is the scriptures, and listen, everything we're seeing in the world right now, the scriptures speak to directly, explicitly, in really powerful ways. And I just heard three, all of whom were older brothers, just say, Tim, the Scriptures. So I just want to invite you into that reflection. Who is shaping your imagination and the lens through which you're seeing the current moment? Are you like me where you've you know, you've read as much political stuff as you can read. You've you've turned on the cable news networks or the podcasts or the or Twitter. Whatever. Or have you said, you know, I'm I feel like Micah has something. I'm gonna to go to Micah and just read Micah and see what the prophet Micah has. Or I'm gonna I'm gonna go read the Gospel of Luke back and forth and just listen to the teachings of Jesus and see which really speak directly to this moment. Are you are we letting our imagination of the kingdom of God which is rooted in Scripture, and Scripture gives to us, are we rooting our imagination in the kingdom of God or something else? All right, so all that's, okay, the kingdom of God is where what God wants done is what gets done. So now we're ready for this passage, um, Luke 13. How does this passage explain to us about how the kingdom of God works? And it works uh, in two ways in this passage. It is first subversively slow. I said, Jesus said, "What is the kingdom like? Uh, it is like a grain of mustard seed, like a little seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and then it grew and became a great tree." So that the kingdom of God is subversively slow. It's like a seed that you plant in the ground, and then it you forget about it, <laughs> or it, it, it's where what it, is anything is this happening? Is it working? Right? It's, you don't see the progress of a seed. It's just under the ground. You don't see the progress until the tree begins to shoot up, and Jesus says the kingdom of God is like that. It works subversively, and it's slow. Um, so think, think of it like this. One of my favorite uh, authors, Eugene Peterson, he, uh, he talks about getting to the end of the church uh, service one day, and someone comes up to him and just says, um, boy, pastor, that was a nice service, but now it's time for me to get back to the real world. Um, and I love, I love Peterson's reaction to that. What he says is, "What well, that guy didn't realize is actually he was in the real world. Uh, and if he knew actually what was going on in worship, he, w- he would have almost certainly fired me right away because what we do in worship, what we do when we open the scriptures, what we do when we, we dwell in the teachings of Jesus, is that is actually the real world. What's visible to us, what looks apparent to us, that's not the real world. The real world is the kingdom of God. God, we're living in an illusion right now with all the brokenness, the way sin has marred our creation and our world. That's not the real world. The real world is the kingdom of God. And so Peterson, with his little pithy statement, he's like, no, 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 the kingdom of God, as proclaimed by Jesus, which the church announces through its preaching and ministry, that is the real world. So, um, So what does that mean? That the kingdom is subversively slow. Um, well, it means a couple things. First, it means you and I cannot bring the kingdom of God. Right? If you're a gardener and you plant a seed, my guess is you don't look at that seed. You stand out of that seed and you, you say, grow, and you just wait until it grows. No, you plant it and you leave. It's, it's other, other organic forces are going to actually be what grows that seed. And in the case of the kingdom of God, we can plant a seed, but it, it's God who has to grow that. Only God can bring his kingdom through, through Jesus. And so I, wanna, I just want to challenge you to ask the question, where, where could you plant a seed? See, so one of the things that makes the kingdom of God, as Jesus teaches it, so difficult, is, is we like big, impressive things. We don't like subversively slow things. We like big and impressive. But the kingdom is slow and, and subversive. And yet, throughout history, some of the smallest Uh, slowest acts, the most unimpressive acts, which seemed to be uh, not, you know, not important in the moment, actually created enormous change because it was a seed planted in the name of Jesus. So one example is, you know, one of the things that really progressed the civil rights movement forward was that Rosa Parks refused to move from the front of the bus back to the back of the bus. I mean, you talk about like, what seems like a small, insignificant action. I'm just going to, you know, listen, I'm not moving. (laughs) I'm, I'm sitting right here in the seat. Right? And, and, that small act grew into a mighty tree that, that led to, to justice. And, and listen, we're not, we're not Rosa Parks, but, but small seeds planted can grow into mighty, mighty trees in the kingdom of, of God. So as you, as you raise your kids or you're at home, the little conversations you have, that could be a seed. As you, as you go about your work, how can you plant seeds as... As we look at this moment and we're all so hot, you know, so many of us, we want to do something, we want to help. Well, we can't do everything, but what's a seed you can plant, a small step you can take, right? And we plant a seed not because we have anything in us, but because Jesus says the kingdom of God is slow and subversive, and so we're not looking for big, impressive actions. We're looking for slow and small things, which God can then use for great change, so the kingdom of God is like a seed planted in the ground. It's slow, it's subversive, and yet it is also irresistibly strong. The king of God is slow and subversive and irresistibly strong. Now listen, if, if you were to take a seed, and I have a few. For some reason, my, my sons, they're like, they love pl- putting seeds in bags and saving them. So I have a bunch of seeds, if you want one. I don't know what they're for. But you take a seed, and if you were to like try to take a seed and break concrete with it, like, I have a bunch of acorns in my backyard. If I was to take an acorn and try to break concrete with it, it the acorn would break. But I have an oak tree in my backyard, and if, if you were to plant an acorn and it would grow into a tree, that, that tree, can, it can bust pipes. It can, uh, at least, uh, it can, uh, you know, it can, it, can, it can grow into something that can break concrete, can break uh, wood and fences. It can, it can devastate things. Because once the seed is planted, it, can, it grows in ways that, that can't be resisted if the conditions are right. And Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like that. And that what starts out as so small and impressive grows into a tree that, that actually cannot be stopped. It's irresistibly strong. And you look at the, the history of the church, and that's, that's our story, isn't it? That we start with the state crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus. And from that moment that he was planted in the ground, the kingdom, or I shouldn't say the kingdom, the church, which is, is different from the kingdom of God, but is, is an outflow of the kingdom of God, the church has grown on every continent, every nation, a truly global phenomenon, an irresistibly strong movement that all started with Jesus' body going into the ground and rising up three days later. And so that is what should give us the hope to plant the seed, right? Is, and I think many of us were overwhelmed. We're concerned for our country. We're, we're worried. And yet Jesus is saying it's it's okay because the kingdom of God doesn't work fast. Uh, it doesn't work, uh, you know, in ways that seem obvious at times, but right now, even in the midst of all this unrest, the kingdom of God, because of Jesus Christ, not because of us, is a seed planted in this world that's going to grow and grow. And so our faith, our hope, our imagination must be cultivated by Jesus to join and be a part of the kingdom of God that is, that is growing. And so what, is, what does all this mean for us? How do, how, do we, how do we bring this all together? And I would just ask... Where is, where is your heart right now? Where is your faith? When you go out into the world, what, what has your imagination? What world do you think you live in? What do you think is the real world? The kingdom of God? Or all of the unrest and political partisanship we're seeing right now? What is the real world you're looking at? So in that, our call as a church, it's not, it's not to go do a bunch of things uh, first. It's not, it's not that we have the best answers to, to all the problems society is facing. It is that we have our faith in Jesus because we know the kingdom we all long for of no more brokenness, no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, it has been planted into the ground, and it is growing and expanding and becoming more powerful. And... While we don't always see that because the kingdom is subversive, we know it's also irresistibly strong. So where's your faith? Where's your heart? Where's your imagination? Place it in the person of Jesus, who went into the grave to offer you grace, who rose from new life to say, nothing will hold my kingdom back, not even death itself. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you that you are a God who works both subversively and slow, which means you invite us into your, your life and your kingdom, but you also are irresistibly strong. You have good news for this world. So God, I pray for myself first that my imagination and the thoughts that are in my mind would be shaped by the kingdom of God as Jesus proclaimed it that my heart and mind would be rooted in how you have revealed yourself through the person of Jesus Christ in the Scriptures. And may we as a church plant a seed, step back and ask you to take our lives and make of them what only you can make. And we pray in the spirit of this passage, in the Lord's Prayer, um, may your kingdom come. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, I'm glad uh, you spent this time with us this morning. If you have any questions about anything I said or you'd like to converse uh, further, I'd love to do that um, with you and get to know you more. Uh, but with that, I'd love to, to end this with a, a benediction um, out of the, the Hebrew Bible um, to bless you as you go. So if you're comfortable, raise your hand to receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May you go in the grace of God.